Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Hey, friends, thanks so much for listening to the podcast. And we want to make sure that you know about all the other exciting ways to get more exclusive content from The Bill Press Show. We're on Patreon. Did you know that? On Patreon. So to go to Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash BP show to get videos that nobody else gets. All we ask is five bucks a month and you get access to daily commentary. And every week we put up a special interview just for our Patreon subscribers. Hey, it's a great way to support progressive media and get your hands on some fun, new, exclusive content. Thanks so much for supporting the show by going to patreon.com slash BP show. Giving you everything you need to fight the Trump administration. This is the Bill Press Show live at youtube.com slash the Bill Press Show. Well, we can say Merry Christmas again. Thank you, Donald Trump. Yes, uh, he takes credit for that. 18 months and that's all he has accomplished? Yeah, he didn't accomplish even that. What do you say, folks? Happy Wednesday. Happy month of August. First day of August 2018. It is uh, the Bill Press Show. That's me and you are part of it. Very much a part of it. Thank you for joining us here. On this Wednesday, catching up on the news of the day with our good friends, uh, mostly all of you, and our friends here in studio as well, to take a look at what's happening here in Washington. Remember the House of Representatives, they are out for their August break. The Senate is here this week, and then they go mm, go away as well. Pardon me. Um, maybe to come back a little bit later in August? Probably not. But uh, we've got it covered. Uh, what's still happening on the Hill, what's happening at the White House around the country and around the globe. We'll bring it all to you and give you a chance to sound off about it uh, by sending us your comments on Twitter at BP Show. Big stories we're covering. Yes, indeed. The Paul Manafort trial started yesterday and Alexander got off to a roaring start. Uh, They picked the jury pretty fast and then got down to opening statements Uh, Paul Manafort blaming all of it on his former business partner, Rick Gates. It's not my fault. Rick Gates made me do it. And basically, Paul Manafort was saying, you can do whatever you want to to me. I don't care because my buddy Donnie's my buddy Donnie is going to give me a big fat pardon. Oh, yeah. (laughs) He still trusts Donald Trump. Really? Lots to talk about. Again, your comments always welcome on Twitter at BP Show, and we will get right to it. But first, this is the Full Court Press. All righty, just a couple of other stories making news. Bill, how about those Washington Nationals? Oh, my God. Yesterday was. Oh, my God. First of all, let's talk about this. Yesterday was the trade deadline for Major League Baseball, and everybody was wondering. Is Bryce Harper going to get traded? The Nationals apparently put him up on the trading block and then walked it back and said, no, we're actually not going to do that. So you can imagine the team was in sort of disarray and shock. 
and they're then, not going to have a great game last night at home right. against the New York Mets. Well, that was not the case. They actually did quite well against the Mets. Let me just uh, pull up this clip because this is from the eighth inning last night as Wilmer Defoe steps up to the plate. Here's the pitch. Swing and a line drive to right by Defoe. Nimmo coming in. Dives can't get it. Goes by him all the way to the wall. Turner heading for third. He'll be waved home. Defoe around second heading for third. And he'll be held there with a stand-up triple. Let me just tell you, that made the score. Yeah. 25 to 1. It, final score ended up being 25 to 4. The Nets tried to mount a little bit of a comeback, but I know. Carol was watching that game and I kept saying, call the guy. <laughs> God damn. I can say, <laughs> you can game. say it, sure. Yeah, right. You know, I mean, there's well, a mercy rule. There should be yeah, a mercy I rule. Know. Oh, boy. Yeah, yeah. It got so bad last night that the New York Mets used up all of their pitchers. And they actually had to use position players, so they had to bring in like a third baseman to pitch. That's how bad it got. Twenty-five to four was the final score. Daniel no, Murphy a, homered it, twice, yeah. drove in six runs. Oh, Even no, the pitcher pathetic. knocked in three it was runs. It was bad. It was bad. So anyway, well, they moved. They clearly were not affected by the whole trade deadline. By the way, yeah, we talked yesterday a little bit around this time with uh, John Bennett about John Kelly and whether or not he was going to stick around. Well, it turns yeah, out yeah. John Kelly has told the White House staff to expect him in that role through 2020. We just celebrated celebrated his one-year mark, and it looks like he's going to be around for another couple of years. 2020 what a fool. Is when he what says a fool. He's get out. Yeah, right. I mean, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stay there and take the that humiliation of being known to have zero impact, yeah. zero influence, yes. to be nothing but a potted plant. I'm gonna I'm gonna take that for another two years. Yeah. Why? The man has zero self respect. Checks keep clearing. Yeah. <laughs> I guess that's the only excuse. This is the Bill Press Show. God, I went to Trader Joe's yesterday and I had to show my ID to buy groceries. What's this country coming to? How long do you think it's been since Donald Trump was at a grocery store? <laughs> I mean, ever? Hello, everybody. What do you say? It is. It's so funny. It's Wednesday, Wednesday, August 1. Can you believe it? Yep. That's summer. God, halfway over. Here we go uh, into the month of August with the Bill Press Show. Good to see you today. Thanks for climbing on board. Thanks for being with us. And thanks for caring enough about the news of the day and uh, making us your choice in the morning. We appreciate that very, very much. It's good to see you. And we've got, as always, lots to talk about with some good guests to uh, take us through it as we boom out to you all across this great country of ours, wherever you are. We're right there alongside of you online on YouTube, youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. Here we are on Free Speech TV. How about it? Looking good out there in TV land and all in Chicago and all around Chicago on the great WCPT as well as statewide in Indiana on Indiana Talks. Uh, coming up from the Center for American Progress to talk about the, uh, on top of, on top of the giant tax cuts that the Republicans pushed through for the wealthiest of Americans and the big corporations, uh, uh, those permanent tax cuts. 
pushed through last uh, December, uh, the Trump administration now is considering a new round of tax cuts for the very wealthiest of Americans that they will do, they say, by executive order, not even ask, not even going to Congress to get it passed. They think they can get it through uh, through the White House uh, only. We'll see how that works. Anyhow, we'll find out all about that from Andrew Schwartz from Center for American Progress. Uh, and then from... Um, from Think Progress, Alan Pike joins us as a friend of Bill a little bit later on all the news of the day, joined by Andrew Prokop from Vox uh, a little bit later. Uh, Andrew here to take us through what's happening at the White House. He covers the White House for Vox. So, so much to talk about. You know, just a little off the political news for the day. I mean, incredible story yesterday, incredible news. How long, you know, remember the days, it wasn't that long ago, that we would have like a, a, a major airline crash, maybe two or three of those a year, right? And the, they have improved the safety so much on commercial airlines that it's very, very rare now that you hear a plane maybe getting in trouble, but a crash, I can't remember the last one. Well, here we are yesterday. You think the jinx is broken, and it's an Aeromexico flight from Durango, Mexico, down to Mexico City, crashed right after takeoff, 103 people on board, zero fatalities. It's amazing. Unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, they said the winds were too strong. It, it, it didn't have enough runway against those strong winds, and so it just barely got off the ground, crashed short, shortly after takeoff. But it was just amazing. I mean, you know, first they were saying, we don't know how many dead, we don't know how many confirmed, blah, 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 blah. and then the Mexican government came out and said, everybody. There's some injuries, of course. Sure. But... You brace for the worst when you when I saw the headline. Yeah, exactly. You just assume if it's a plane crash, you know, that's a tough thing to, to make it through. But everybody's surviving. Yeah, Amazing. I know. Right. Well, before we get into the heavy stuff, well, I mean, to the light lighter stuff. Mm. On the heavy stuff, Peter, uh, what's the latest on the uh, Bigfoot erotica? Are we, oh, Bill, I'm you know, glad that, you asked. That's your that's your department. I'm I very. Mean, yeah. if, if, look, if if you remember you me to, for nothing else, remember me for my love we, we, of Bigfoot bring, erotica. You have to bring that to the table every day. <laughs> yes, right. Well, uh, you know, I actually watched the video. Denver Denver Riggleman is the is the uh, candidate's name, the Republican candidate that has a Bigfoot erotica. You know, fetish. I've got to do that. I haven't watched it yet. I was going to oh, yesterday. Oh, buddy, I got to tell you, you okay. got to watch it. Oh. You gotta okay. watch it. He doesn't. I mean, he he sort of doubles down on his love of all things Bigfoot, but says, "Hey, it wasn't so much about Bigfoot erotica. He just loves Bigfoot in general." So, go check out the video. I'll just put it that way. He is what's his name? Denver Riggleman, and it's Virginia's fifth. I know, right? That's right. Yeah, and he's running against uh, uh, Coburn is the woman's name. I forgot her first name. Okay, well. Check this out because uh, Dana Milbank has a column in the Washington Post this morning, uh, which I just sort of scanned. Um, but this, there was another erotica scandal in this district by the Republican who held that district like 15 or 20 years ago. Or what? Something. Yes. The incumbent got into some kind of trouble because he had some erotica thing going. <laughs> Not Bigfoot. Not Bigfoot. Loch Ness Monster erotica. Maybe. <laughs> so... Something about Virginia's fifth. Oh my God! Yeah, right. That's wild. And something about these creepy Republicans too. Yeah. So, um, well, uh, anything new? I will keep. I look. I've got. I've got cryptozoological <laughs> porn set up as a news alert on Google. So if it ha if anything else happens, 
Uh, breaking news. Yeah, Just I'll break, jump in with it. Break in, yes. <laughs> All right. Uh, speaking of erotica, Donald Trump uh, down in Florida last <laughs> night at Tampa. Yes, indeed. He went down uh, something very unusual. He went down to break into a Republican primary uh, in Florida, the um, where unusual for a president uh, or uh, any leader of a party to get involved in a primary. Usually let those things play out. The last time Donald Trump did it in Alabama, where he came out for Luther Strange against Roy Moore, it didn't work out so well. He's trying to uh, correct the record here. Uh, full-throated endorsement of Ron DeSantis, who is a Rod DeSantis, who is a real Trumper, a member of Congress, uh, extreme right wing, always on Fox News defending Trump. So By the Trump, way, did you see his new ad? He has a no. new ad out, and it's his wife talking about, oh, well, you know, a lot of people talk about how Ron is such a big fan of the president, but that's just not true. He just loves his country. And then it shows clips of him with his young child, and it's Ron DeSantis on the floor with his child, and he goes, and then we add this block, and then we add this block, and that's how we build a wall. And then he's reading a, oh. like a uh, bedtime story to his kid, and he's going, make America great again. And it's just a total fan video of Donald Trump. Yeah. It's yeah. disturbing. Yeah, total suck up. At any rate, here is the president last night. Uh, what a great guy Ron DeSantis is. He's tough, he's smart, and he loves Florida, and he loves our country. And he's going to be your next governor, Ron DeSantis. He remembered his name. That was uh, surprising. <laughs> uh, and the president says it's all about the economy. And um, if you uh, got any money at all, you love me, baby. Who has 401ks here? I guarantee you one thing. I have your vote. I guarantee it. I guarantee you don't. <laughs> I got a 401k. It's doing pretty well, too. But no thanks to you. Uh, you kept it going, but Obama got it going. Got it started. Obama brought us back. 12 years, almost 12 years of uh, economic recovery. Thank you, Obama. Uh, <laughs> because, no, uh, 10 years, almost 10 years. Yeah. Eight of those, Barack Obama. Uh, okay, Donald Trump hasn't wrecked it yet, but he's doing his best with these tariffs to wreck it. Uh, and the president says, the only thing, you know, the only thing that counts is if you want to save the country, you got to vote for Republicans. If you want safety, if you want borders, if you want to have a country then you need to go out and vote Republican. Uh, yes, if you want to save this country, I would say it is just the opposite, and now is the time. Don't forget that website we've told you about, thelastweekend.org. Now's the time to get it back. We've got to get at least the House back if we're going to survive the next two years. Uh, so important that everybody do everything that uh, they can, everything you can uh, to to help House candidates wherever they are. If you live in a safe district, then help out somebody in not such a safe district. Go to thelastweekend.org and sign up for whatever you can do. But then the president just went, I mean, so that you would expect. It's a political rally. He's the president. He's supporting a Republican candidate, even though it's in the primary. Uh, and you expect to hear that political BS, right? But then he just went nuts, right, taking credit for stuff and talking about stuff that just is not real. For example, the war on Christmas. Remember the attack on Merry Christmas? They're not attacking it anymore. Everyone's happy to say Merry Christmas, right? I mean, who is he, Bill O'Reilly? <laughs> I, I mean, come on. First of all, 
There was never any. There was never any war on Christmas. How long? How many times have we talked about that? Nobody. Nobody was. There was never a law against saying Merry Christmas. There was never a fact that people did not say Merry Christmas. Some say Merry Christmas. Some say Happy Holidays. Some say Happy Hanukkah. I don't know. Whatever. It, we, but it's just. It's just. It did not exist. But Fox. This was an invention of Fox News, and nothing has changed. If anything was ever. Nothing has changed in the last two years. Nothing. 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 You know. We've been doing this show now for 13 years. Yeah. Year one. Year was one. Was it year one? Is when the whole war on Christmas garbage was going on. It was Bill O'Reilly back before he got yeah. fired for yeah. being a, a, a sexual predator. Right. Has Christmas diminished at all in those 13 years? Did you miss Christmas any of those years? Did you just forget about it? Now, I, I just remember all these people who are in prison today because they said yeah, happy holidays. That's right. Yeah, I mean, that's it's, right. It's, Never forget. It's so ridiculous, particularly <laughs> to talk about that in August and to take credit for the fact that people are now saying uh, Merry Christmas. Yeah, right. Well, if you think that's bad enough, so <laughs> the president then gets off on this riff about, boy, I'm telling you, when he gets off script, man, hmm, hmm, yeah. Uh, they ought to put him back in his cage, give him his meds back. Uh, so he starts to talk about um, voter ID. He says, now we need all these measures of voter ID, the worst of which, of course, is, I mean, of voter suppression, the worst of which is voter ID. But he says, we need voter ID. The time has come for voter ID, like everything else. Voter ID. Voter ID. And he said, it's not such a big deal that you need your driver's license or whatever voter ID. Because, hey, you need it when you have to buy groceries, right? You know, if you go out and you want to buy groceries, you need a picture <laughs> on a card. You need ID. You go out and you want to buy anything, you need ID and you need your picture. What planet does he live on? <laughs> when, okay, raise your hand. When is the last time you had to show your voter ID? Your ID. When's the last time you had to show your ID? At... I don't know, Whole Foods or Kroger's or Safeway or Trader Joe's or whatever. Never. Is. And I might also ask, when's the last time Donald Trump was at a grocery store? Probably never. Right, we were having this conversation off air before Probably we got started. Probably never. I, I think you're right. I don't think yeah. he's ever once gone into a grocery store to buy groceries. I mean, he oh. was born into privilege, so it's not like he had to do it when he was younger. Yeah, if it was, if it was in college, you know, whatever. If, if he had people for that, his, his know, parents, in, I'm in sure, his took private care of boarding school, he yeah. wasn't buying his groceries. In college, he wasn't buying his groceries. He gets in business with his daddy. You know, he's not buying his groceries. No, no, no. Probably never. I don't think he's ever bought a grocery. But ever. I mean, this whole idea. Yeah, I mean about. Oh, it's, yeah, that's right. Yeah, I know. It, it's terrible, Donald. I'm glad you raised that issue. I mean, I, I filled the car with gas yesterday, and Jesus, I had to show my ID just to, uh, yeah, to fill the car. <laughs> right? Terrible. I mean, oh, God. <laughs> yeah, I went to Trader Joe's, picked up a saddle on the way home for lunch. Yeah, no, your ID? Uh, uh, oh, yeah, you know I, what? I can't buy this. I don't have my picture ID <laughs> with me. It's absolutely. It makes as much sense as everything else, he says. Like North Korea. Problem fixed. They're not doing anything now about nuclear weapons, and they're destroying our weapons. And this morning, it's confirmed, as we talked yesterday, that, in fact, at a facility just outside of Pyongyang, North Korea is building new long-range intercontinental missiles. 
that's how much we accomplish. So it makes as much sense for him to say, I solved all the problems about possible war with North Korea. I've convinced them to get rid of the nuclear weapons, as it does for him to say, you need ID, photo ID, when you go to the uh, grocery store. Uh, and uh, I thought the maybe maybe the truest thing that he said last night, however, uh, that people do accuse Donald Trump of um, not acting presidential. God knows uh, he doesn't. I mean, no president has been has made such a travesty of the office uh, and the position of president of the United States as Donald Trump has. And he sort of admits last night that, uh, yeah, yeah, um, I, I am the worst so far. They'd say he's not acting presidential. And I'd say, well, it's a lot easier to act presidential than to do what I do. Anybody can act presidential. Yeah. It's easier to act president than to do what I do, basically, which is trash the office of president of the United States. Than to do what I do. Yeah. Do what I do. Do, do what I do. Yeah. <laughs> but think about it. That's a hell of an admission. Yeah. yeah. I show no respect for the office. I do, I, I do not speak um, in measured tone, tones like most presidents do. I don't take the time to study I, I, uh, issues and deliberate with my with my staff. I don't treat people with respect, uh, right? I don't entertain other points of view, whatever. I don't have an open mind. Uh, I basically am a horse's ass. Yeah, but it would be easy to be presidential. Yeah, that's the thing that's so amazing. He sort of said, if yeah. I wanted to do that, mm -hmm. I could do it easily. Yeah. If I, he's sort of saying, like, really, I keep thinking about that. If I wanted to be like George W. Bush and be a gentleman, you know, and you know how I disagree with George W. Bush on his policies, God knows. But, I mean, the guy did bring respect and dignity to the office of the president of the United States, and he did. I mean, he wouldn't even, it was got to the point where I felt it was extreme. He wouldn't even allow anybody to walk in the Oval Office without a suit and tie on. Okay? Okay. It's a little extreme. But, I mean, compared to Donald Trump? <laughs> God. Anyhow. Uh, so that was Donald Trump last night. Uh, by the way, um, one other thing that happened last night, which is really troubling, and that is, once again, he attacks the media. Of course, he cannot, he cannot give a campaign speech without attacking the media. And it's it's getting and this happened during the campaign. We know when the crowd he would taunt the crowd. I mean, he would direct the crowd, turn your anger, turn your hostility toward that pen over there, where the reporters are gathered and caged and roped in uh, to cover the event. He does that all the time during the campaign. It got to the point where uh, news organizations had to hire security to accompany their reporters to campaign events, and now. They have to do that for uh, to cover an event by the president of the United States who still whips up hostility toward the media, personal hostility, people by name. And let me tell you something. One of these days, some of these days, there's going to be some violence against reporters at these rallies. One of these days, some reporter is going to get badly hurt or killed by these Trump fanatics. And Donald Trump will be responsible. You know what was really and it's going to happen. I don't disagree with you. 
But you, you know what was really interesting last night? Jim Acosta, who we have yeah. a clip from, he gets sort of singled out, I think, more than anybody well, else. Well, because right? the president singled yeah, him out. Yeah, that's uh, right. And so they just scream and they're like just brutal, the things that they say to him. But what another reporter pointed out that a lot of these Trump supporters will scream at him when the cameras are on. And then when the cameras are off, they come up to him and they want to get pictures taken with him and all oh. this. And Acosta actually engages every single one of them and he talks to them and he yeah. explains what they're doing and like there's something to be said i mean the president would never face right. his critics that right. way right ever right. ever ever well good for jim he's yeah. a friend of mine i admire him a lot he's a good reporter most of all and he asks tough questions and you know i remember it, oh, peter we've been doing this a long time back in the bush years we used to give the white house press corps a lot of hell because yeah. they were not asking tough questions. Uh, by the way, with one exception, David Gregory at the time, I remember we would single him out that he would he would really challenge them. Well, Jim Acosta challenges them. Uh, John Carl from ABC challenges them. Uh, uh, Holly Holly Jackson from uh, and Kirsten Welker both from uh, from NBC do. But so many of the others are just they're just you know going along with whatever they say. Uh, anyhow, so last night. Jim Acosta is giving a report to CNN. Wolf Blitzer's back in the studio, uh, and you can hear the crowd behind him just just gone nuts. The White House has held only three briefings for the press this month, and eight total since the uh, end of May. There is no other way to describe what the White House is doing these days. Wolf, top officials, including the president, are hiding from the press. And Wolf, just to give you a sense as to what's happening right now, you can hear there is a chorus of boos and other chants from this Trump crowd here in Tampa, Florida. They're saying things like CNN sucks, go home, and fake news. Wolf, obviously, all of those things are false. We're staying right here. We're going to do our job and report on this rally to all of our viewers here tonight. Oh, yeah, right. Okay, so what can we do about that? Well, here's what we can do about it. Sean Hannity had the answer last night, yes. What you do about that is you just stick your nose as far up Donald Trump's ass as you can, and then everything will be fine. The people of this country, they're screaming at you for a reason. They don't like your unfair, abusively biased treatment of the president of the United States. Now, if you want to earn the oh, respect of it. all Americans, Here's not the do. coastal elites in California, L.A., San Francisco, D.C., and New York, maybe try reporting the entire story. Maybe try getting rid of the bias. Maybe examine why are people saying this to us? Oh, maybe do like I do. Right. Yes. Maybe just just praise Donald to the skies, kiss his ass in public, and then everybody will love you. Yes. Just be a total, total giant suck up like I am. And then people will love you. I just have to say something. This might be this this might be picking nits. But did you notice how Sean Hannity has adopted that Trump sniff. You know when he does oh, the press conferences and he'll yeah. go, blah, blah, blah. Listen, <laughs> yeah. listen to Hannity. Listen to Hannity's sniff. <laughs> He's got the sniff like in oh. mid-rant. In mid-rant, he gets into it. California, listen. L.A., San Francisco, D.C., and New York. Maybe oh, He's got the I Trump sniff. That. He's totally adopted it. We, I, we've listened to hours of Sean Hannity. It's That's yeah. a new thing for him. Yeah. Wow. He really is sucking up to the priest trying to be Trump. <laughs> little Trump. So we start calling him. Yeah. Yeah. Little Trump. Man, 
Ah, oh, we're just getting started. There's so there's so much news. Uh, we got to mention uh, the Facebook thing yesterday. Boy, that was stunning. Um, same thing. They're up to the same old tricks. They didn't say they were Russians, but who else? Who else was it, right? Uh, but Facebook found 32 pages of um, phony stuff uh, meant to all not, not didn't talk about candidates, but all to just like they did in 2016, though getting hot button issues, whipping them up, get people going in the 2018 to try to influence the 2018 elections. Uh, 32 pages and 150 ads uh, that had been uh, that had been posted. Uh, they took them. They took them all down, <coughs> which they did not do in 2016. Uh, uh, at least uh, they're a little more alert than they were at that time. Uh, and um, and you know that the, the the Russians will keep trying, and you know it was it was the Russians. And in fact, on that score, Mike Pence admitted something yesterday that nobody in this administration has ever said. Now. Mike Pence unleashed? I mean, what happened here? Does Donald Trump know that Mike Pence said this? At any rate, he went where nobody, it's not, not that long a statement, but he went where nobody in the Trump administration has gone before uh, yesterday about Russian meddling. While other nations certainly possess the capability, the fact is Russia meddled in our 2016 elections. Whoa. Okay. Yes, they That's did. That's crazy. Yes, they did. But I mean, just that statement, right? As uh, not going any farther than it does. Donald Trump has never said that. No. I mean, it's he what, said. Well, Dan Coates says they did, but <laughs> Vladdy here, my buddy Putin, says they didn't. So therefore, uh, I believe Vladimir Putin, and I don't know why Russia would interfere in our election. That is a. Very, very, very low bar for them to get over. Mm-hmm. So, like, on one hand, good for them for saying it, but also, good God. I mean, if you you have to start there. Yeah. You know, you have to right. start with Russians meddle in our elections. And for them to get to this and to deserve some sort of, like, praise for it? No, it's it's obvious. Uh, I thought so, but there it is. Yeah. So, Mike Pence, finally, yeah. His big break. <laughs> big break. Uh, with a Donald Trump. I'm sure Trump is going to say he's sorry he's picked up for vice president and all that. Now. Yeah, right. Yeah, you know. I wish. If I had known that, <laughs> I'd never have picked him in the first place. Uh, we got so much other big news to get to. But before we take our break here, i got to just, just mention this one little thing. So when I got to San Francisco uh, teaching school, you know, 100 years ago, teaching high school there at Sacred Heart High School in San Francisco, I got a little one-bedroom apartment in San Francisco. I forget what I paid for it. I was making six hundred dollars a month, so I probably I think I paid like about two fifty or something like that. Okay. Maybe right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, New York Times reports this morning that renting a one bedroom apartment in San Francisco now, on average. Oh man, I'm bracing for this. Three thousand two hundred and fifty eight dollars a month. Oh my god. Three thousand two hundred and fifty eight dollars a month. And that, I mean, that, and that rat trap that I, <laughs> I hate to think, right? They pay for that. But who, so who can afford to live in San Francisco? Oh, my God. The only people who can afford to live in San Francisco now, young people, right, yeah. are the, high, the techies yep. from the Silicon Valley, 
and they have these real fancy buses that take them down to Silicon Valley, and then they come back to uh, to, to San Francisco well, that, bums that, that me night. Out. Yeah, that bums That's, me right out. That's it's impossible. Totally, it's impossible. I mean, you figure out. Uh, I can't do the math in my head, but so let's say three thousand bucks, right? Yeah. Your housing should probably be maybe twenty five percent of your income, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yes. All right. So there you That's go. That's a good these, rule of thumb. These people would have to be making twelve thousand a month. Good grief! Oh my god! All right, right. So, yeah. At the bottom. Yeah. Just, just to, you got a place to live. Holy crap! Uh, it's still my favorite American city. Uh, San Francisco. But, Making uh, it harder and harder. I wish I could afford to live there. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh, yes. Tax cuts on top of tax cuts coming from the Trump administration. That's what we hear. Andrew Schwartz from the Center for American Progress will be here to take us, uh, tell us all about it. Quick break. We'll be right back. This is the Bill Press Show. All right. All right. Uh, Wednesday, August 1. Can't believe it. But we are into the month of August with the Bill Press Show and all of you. Thanks for joining us again uh, on this Wednesday with the news of the day as we come to you live from our nation's capital, our studio here on Capitol Hill. Brought to you today by the United uh, by the International Association of Iron Workers. Yes, the Iron Workers Union, those great men and women. Ironworkers of America under President Eric Dean. They are building our communities today and ready to rebuild America's infrastructure tomorrow if Congress would only get started on an infrastructure bill, which, of course, Donald Trump promised two years ago. Uh, at any rate, we salute the ironworkers, thank them for the support of the program, direct you to their website at ironworkers.org. Uh, Andrew Schwartz joins us from the Center for American Progress. Andrew, it's good to see you. Good to see you. Thanks for coming in. Get that microphone a little closer to you. Uh, and there you go. Um, to tell us about the latest um, efforts of the Trump administration or thinking of the Trump administration to uh, make the wealthiest of Americans even more wealthy. But first, Peter. Yeah, a couple of comments on Twitter. At, uh, at BP Show is where you can find us, at BP Show. Lots of people have commented on the fact that Donald Trump clearly does not uh, buy groceries, has never buy, bought no, groceries. Come on. <laughs> I, I, I'm telling you, I went to Trader Joe's right across the street here. Yeah. Yeah, just yesterday, I had to show my ID, my photo ID. Yeah, right, yeah. yeah, of course, right. Just to buy a beer. Uh, our friend Walker says, when is the last time he actually paid for groceries or anyone's services except to silence a lady for her services? Mm. He notoriously doesn't pay. For services, Maria says. Uh, you think he had to show his voter? I mean, <laughs> not voter. His ID. ID. For yeah, you have to show your p p picture on a paper. Or he required her to show ID. Right. Yeah. Uh, Maria says, uh, "An ID to shop? What universe is this moron living in? Where does he shop if he needs to provide any form of identification? Oh, right, he has never had to shop for himself or anything or anyone else. How would this baby in chief know?" Does he ever say anything that is fact-checked? I think it's pretty clear that he doesn't really care about that. Uh, also, on uh, me, that's our job. Yeah, right. We yeah. fact-check. We fact-check for him. Yes. Uh, a couple of comments about the violence or the, the rhetoric at the rallies. Uh, KG says, maybe if the Trump rallies weren't televised, these goons wouldn't be mugging for the cameras. And we played audio of uh, Sean Hannity saying, you know, uh, Maybe Jim Acosta deserves this. Do what I this. do, right? Yeah. And just, yeah. Tom says, P 
Peter, please do not play that Hannity. I can only puke <laughs> once per day. If you have a comment on any topic at any time, just find us on Twitter at BP Show. You know, I'm not going to say that Donald that there was a time when Sean Hannity was not a real conservative. Yeah, but he really has changed from the time. Oh yeah, when I first met him and knew him, and he had his afternoon radio show, uh, and then was doing the Hannity and Combs show. I mean, yeah, he's always been a conservative, but he was never a total suck up for anybody. I mean, look, I, a, a lot of these Republican or conservative commenters, right, like Limbaugh. Uh, even Glenn Beck, Sean Hannity. I mean, they got to a place because they were very talented broadcasters, and then they just decided they were going to cash in, stop trying to think independently, and just follow talking points. I guess that's good for business. But, yeah, he's a completely different person than what he used to be. Yeah. Well, sad. 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 (laughs) Exclamation point. Right. Oh, uh, so Andrew, uh, good to see you on uh, on the talk, tax cuts. So first of all, we've got uh, I can't believe they're talking about more tax cuts on top of the existing tax cuts. But where are we now, and who's benefiting from the tax cuts that the Republicans pushed through uh, as the issue that they were going to run on in 2018? And Donald Trump signed it into law. They're in fact, and they're in place. Uh, have they kicked in, and who's seeing the benefits? Well, so that this happened uh, late December, so right towards the end of the year, right? And it was great timing for the proponents of the tax bill because it was when companies would do their end of the year holiday bonuses, and so it was a way to make the Republicans and make the administration look good. Say, look, look at all these companies that are giving bonuses. It's not clear how many bonuses would have had would have happened outside of this yeah. tax bill. Right. Um, but, you know, they're not going to pass on any opportunity to, uh, you know, build it up. Yeah. No, I remember that. They were giving up the bonuses and the White House. Steve Mnuchin would come into the briefing room of the White House and and uh, brag about all these people getting these bonuses and right, but one-time bonuses. You but, get a one-time bonus. Yeah. That does nothing to your wages. So they promised, you know, wages are going to increase. One report that the uh, White House Council of Economic Advisors put out said, uh, workers are going to see their wages increase $4,000 over the next few years. Right. And it was quickly and widely debunked, um, but they continue to stand by this report. Uh, so, you know, nine months in now, I don't know if anybody's seen any wages, wage increase. In fact, uh, the latest numbers from June showed that um, the vast majority of workers who are um, production non-supervisory, about 80% of the labor force actually saw their wages decrease in real terms by uh, 0.2% from last year. So average American workers haven't benefited. Uh, weren't, uh, I remember Mnuchin also coming in the day the tax cuts kicked in, actually, saying that every American family would get a tax break and, and see it, and it would happen right away. And they were going to make sure that the tax breaks for every American family going out there right away. So if wages haven't gone up, what kind of a tax break have middle, American, middle well, they, Americans received? They, they might see some, which, I mean, if you are spending $1.9 trillion, you'd hope that hope, everyone would right. yeah. at least see a little bit. But, you know, if you take into consideration the fact that not everybody works the same amount of hours, you know, health insurance premiums go up, 
it's difficult for most Americans to probably even notice a difference in their paycheck. Wasn't it $6 a month or something like that? It, was, it was a pretty pretty low amount. Yeah, right. And meanwhile, the, the most of the tax cuts go to the wealthiest of Americans, I guess, making over whatever, 250, 250,000 or so. Yeah, there were definitely some cuts in uh, the top rates, but the, the big the big wallop was uh, happened in the corporate rates. In where the we corporate saw, rates. We, where we were told that in order to be competitive, we needed to slash these corporate rates to be comparable to the rest of the country, which they're- rest know, of the world, I right, guess. Yeah, sorry, the rest of the world. And you know, there's, there's some truth to that, but there's also tons and tons of loopholes, and they chose to close none of them, in fact, expanded some other ones. Right. Uh, and those are permanent tax cuts that the corporations enjoy. Right. Uh, one of the one of the impacts of that, which the New York Times reported last week, is that uh, one would see if if the corporate tax rate goes way down, that the revenue coming into the federal government is mm -hmm. going to be much less mm -hmm. from from that particular source, uh, which means the deficit goes up accordingly. Yeah, I think we're we're seeing about thirty two percent less compared to last year in corporate tax uh, revenues. So that's a pretty substantial decrease attributed to this tax bill as you know as we see the economy at large in terms of GDP is really growing but um, right. we're taking in we're taking in less revenue and as a result it is increasing. The and nothing wrong with that as long as you believe that deficits don't matter. Correct. Which is the new creed I guess of the Republican Party. All right so on top of that now uh, Steve Mnuchin at some conference the other day said the administration is considering uh, making it even easier uh, for uh, wealthiest of Americans uh, to escape or to not not to pay taxes, but and in doing so through regulation. Well, so what do they have in mind, <laughs> and can they? How can they do it without Congress? Right. So I think you pointed out the, the two issues. One is the policy and the second is the process. And I'll talk about the policy. Essentially, what they're saying is uh, if you own capital gains and you sell it, um, you're, you're taxed on the difference between the, the amount you sell it at and the amount you buy it That's at. That's the way capital gains works. Yep. Right. Yeah. Uh, they're saying we should adjust the amount you buy it for to inflation. So if you were to buy, uh, if you bought a hundred dollar or a hundred thousand dollars worth of stock back in 1990, inflation would bring it up to a little under two hundred thousand dollars today. If you were able to sell that for three hundred thousand mm -hmm. dollars, you just basically uh, halved the amount that you mm. that you've gained mm -hmm. because of inflation. So as a result, uh, you've just halved the amount you would owe in taxes. And so, so automatically, your taxable income would go way down. Right. Okay. Now, whether that's a good idea or not, I don't know enough about it to know. Um, how can they do it without Congress? Well, the short answer is they can't. Uh, <laughs> yeah. this, the, that, has anybody told uh, <laughs> Steve Mnuchin or Donald well, Trump? Well, I, I mean, yet? it hasn't really stopped the administration in no. any other right. area. Um, I would argue <laughs> they couldn't do what they've done at EPA <laughs> through regulation alone. But yeah, and so and the thing is, you know, this has long been a popular idea, the George H.W. Bush administration looked at this, and two, two separate uh, legal analyses uh, found that, you know, no, they didn't have authority to do this because this was outside of their 
um, you know, the legal area in which they can do regulation. The executive branch is uh, responsible for, you know, enforcing the right. law and executing on the law. And this is, frankly, creating the law. So and if, Congress's responsibility is to make the law. Right. And so right. if Congress wanted to do that, which, uh, you know, Senator Cruz and Senator Inhofe have proposed a bill to do such that, but um, absent a larger rethinking of broader uh, capital gains and those kinds of things. It's just uh, creating far more loopholes and a tax cut for the wealthy. And when we're talking about who would benefit from this, I mean, this is clearly the one or two percent, right? Even even above that, I would say really? the, uh, <laughs> the, the we're, we're <laughs> narrowing it down, man. Right? The, the, this is for Charles Koch. <laughs> the uh, there's a a Penn Wharton uh, budget model did did some analysis and found. Uh, 63% would go to the top 0.1%, and over 80% would go to the top 1%. So we are seeing just a straight, uh, you know, back up a dump truck to the Treasury yeah. for the wealthiest Americans. Is um, <laughs> that's a good that's a good way to think of it. Is um, so there is legislation pending to do this. Has the Justice Department ruled, or I mean? It seems would probably wouldn't be hard for the White House to get somebody, the White House counsel or the Justice Department, to write an opinion saying we've got all the authority we need to do this. It, it's possible, and I think then the you know the question is you know who who has uh, I think one of the arguments that people say and you know it's really gained popularity um, on in some of the more conservative groups and uh, including. Grover Norquist, uh, Americans for Tax Reform. And I think part of their argument is, you know, who has the standing to sue for this? Right, um, right. Fortunately, there's um, been some uh, some tax scholars at the University of Chicago and uh, New York University who have said, you know, states and nonprofits are definitely going to be adversely affected by this and could have uh, grounds to sue in a case like this. Uh, right. So... Um, so if they if they get this if they try it there would be a lawsuit or I guess the other only other way to stop it would be uh, that Congress would have to step up and say no 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 uh, this is wrong we disagree you can't do this and they could pass legislation overturning it right? yeah I, but, in, I mean, in theory yeah, uh, <laughs> no exactly no no, no um, we're talking in theory I was going to say as and if they control both houses continue to control both houses. They're not going to pass that legislation, right? And uh, you know there is a a, Wash, or a New York Times article uh, exactly on this, and there's a quote from uh, the chair of the uh, Ways and Means Committee, Kevin Brady, who said, you know, this basically is hurting Americans through the inflation is hurting Americans, so we need to take these steps. Um, so they've got they've got allies in Congress who are in favor of this, you know, and it's if. Kevin Brady is concerned about how inflation is hurting Americans. I'm expecting him to come out for indexing inflation, uh, right. the minimum wage to inflation. But um, so, when does all this come down? And is there a rush to do this before the midterms? Um, it's it's not clear when you know how quickly the administration is looking to move on this, and even if they are looking to move on it, uh, there's there's been other. Um, uh, Attempts to move another tax bill in the House, but it's really not getting much of a uh, reception in the Senate. So it seems unlikely. But um, you know, who knows what will happen? All right. Well, keep on top of it for us, okay? Of course. And uh, we'll see how that uh, 
uh, and it's uh, I think the, it's safe to say that the chief architect of this, it seems, in the administration is uh, Steve Mnuchin, right, Treasury Secretary. Yeah, and we have yeah. we have a new uh, a new uh, economic advisor, Larry Kudlow, who is also oh. a, a big fan of this uh, capital gains idea. Too. Okay, of course. Yes, of course. Yes. Uh, uh, what I'd like to know is um, I'd like to know how much Steve Mnuchin personally would benefit from this. You can bet a lot. Anyhow. From the Center for American Progress, Andrew Schwartz. Thanks, Andrew. Thanks, Thanks. so much for coming in. Uh, and you can follow Andrew and, and uh, the good work of him and our, his other colleagues over there at the center at AmericanProgress.org. Uh, we'll uh, continue with some of the other. Thanks so much. Right. Thanks. With some of the other news of the day. Um, and, and by the way, just as we do, I wanted to say a quick word. Um, about, you know, we don't spend uh, a lot of time on uh, uh, obituaries on, on this show, but there was a passing of one great member of Congress from California, a former member of Congress from California, Congressman Ron Dellums from Oakland, from the Bay Area. Uh, what an incredible uh, uh, leader he was, particularly in the anti-war movement. Um, I can't say I was a close friend of his, but I got to know Ron Dellums. Always admired him so much. He was a real hero of mine. Um, uh, died a couple of days ago uh, at the age of 82. Uh, he was one of the ones that uh, the Republicans went after. At, Spiro Agnew called him a radical extremist. Radical extremist for his stand against uh, the, the, the Vietnam War. When he came to Washington... Uh, they also called him a radical. Ron Dellum said, if it's radical to be against war and poverty, then Ron Dellums is a radical. Uh, Ag oh, yeah. yeah. Agnew described him, get this, when he came here as, you couldn't get away with this stuff today, but they described him, quote, Spiro Agnew, as an Afro-topped, bell-bottomed radical from the commie pinko left-wing community of berserkerly. <laughs> that's, that's how they described him. So Dellums Elum, realized that he couldn't really do anything, have a real strong voice against the Vietnam War unless he was on the Armed Services Committee. So he got the Congressional Black Caucus to advocate him as there was no African-American on the Armed Services Committee. So the Congressional Black Caucus says, we want membership on that committee, and we and Ron Dellums is our guy. So, the Republic or the uh, Democratic leadership is meeting to decide who they're going to put on the committee, and they decide they want an African. They're willing to have an African American, but they don't want Ron Dellums. And the Congressional Black Caucus went to them, marched in on the meeting, and said, "Oh no, no, no! White people don't tell black people." who they get to represent them. And they challenged them, and Dellums got, Dellums got a seat on the committee, sort of. So whoever the chairman was at the time, yeah, Edward Hebert, a Democrat from Louisiana, uh, here's how he got even. He also, they also had to put a woman on the committee, Pat Schroeder from Colorado, remember her? Oh, yeah. And so Hebert ruled that both of these were members of the committee, but they had to share a chair. Oh, my God. They had to take turns sitting in the chair of the committee. 
That's how bad things were back. I was going to say. Days. I mean, it's Can a little you, on um, the nose to call an African American and a woman half of a person. You yeah, know, essentially. Well, in those days, and if you're from Louisiana, yeah, and he got they got away with it for a while. Sure, I'm sure. And then Ron Dellums became the chair of the Armed Services Hell Committee. Yeah. Hell yeah, yeah. that's he what I wanted to hear. <laughs> this way Anyhow, he was a great man, and he said in uh, just uh, in 2000, he was he served 14 terms in the House. In 2000, he said, quote, Our generation didn't make the world perfect, but our generation changed the world. I will die confident we changed the world. We ended the war in Vietnam. We stopped the development of a whole lot of mad nuclear weapons out there. We did start to grapple with the overt vestiges of institutional racism. We did open the doors for women. Now it's up to the next generation to take it forward. Uh, and I think we uh, may be judged by uh, how well we did. That's strong, man. Taking taken that, uh, that, that great work of Ron Dellums and others at the time, uh, taking that forward. Uh, we mentioned yesterday the uh, this, uh, Ron Dellums, I'm, I'm sorry, the Paul Manafort trial starting over in, uh, uh, in Alexandria yesterday. And it got off to a booming start. I was surprised. Usually, voir dire, as they call it, the jury selection takes quite a while. Uh, but yesterday, they got 12 members of the jury, boom, like that, uh, ready to go. And then the prosecution started its op- opened its case against Paul Manafort, pointing out that he had made over $60 million working for uh, Ukrainian politicians. Uh, but... He diverted most of that money, laundered most of that money uh, to finance an, what they called an extravagant lifestyle, a $28,000 watch, and then on and on, and this, how much he was paying for these suits, and he had a suite at Trump, in Trump Tower, on and on, uh, laundered a lot of it through banks in Cyprus and other places, and paid taxes on very little, bit, little of it. So he is up on charges of bank fraud and uh, cheating on his taxes, uh, the prosecution announced they've got uh, Robert Mueller's team, 35 witnesses uh, to testify against him. And Paul Manafort's lawyer, defense lawyer, got up and started his defense. And his defense is basically, they made me do it. It wasn't my fault. He's pl- he, he, Even though he's pled not guilty to everything, he says, sort of like Rudy Giuliani, if there wasn't any collusion, it's not a crime. Paul Manafort said, well, if I did anything... It was my former business partner, Rick Gates, who, of course, who made me do it. Rick Gates, who has also been charged, but Rick Gates, who is cooperating with Robert Mueller and will be the lead witness uh, against Paul Manafort. So it's sort of coming down to, I think, the jury, which one do you believe, Paul Manafort or Rick Gates? That's the sound of Paul Manafort getting ready to throw Rick Gates under the bus. Oh, yeah, no. There he is. Uh, I thought that was uh, <laughs> Paul Manafort rushing off in his Ferrari. <laughs> that, that too. Yeah, from, from, uh, from the <laughs> Dude, the stuff that they were laying oh, out man. about yeah, yeah. what he spent his money on. Oh. He had a um, suit made out of ostrich? Yes. Suit made out of ostrich. C- come on. It, I mean, good God. Real scum, right. Uh, he... Um, uh, ask also the, 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 to be released from prison uh, in between his first trial and his second trial. His, he comes up for a second trial here in the District of Columbia on other charges. 
Uh, and um, and by the way, even though he was Trump's campaign manager, this is not the case of collusion or obstruction of justice vis-a-vis the Trump campaign. All of those charges will come later. <laughs> that's what that's what we get into. Uh, Michael Flynn and George Papadopoulos and Carter Page and some of the others. Uh, but at any rate, uh, Paul Manafort asked the judge to, to let him go home, release him from prison during his trial, and the judge said, no, you're staying in prison. So there we go. When we come back, Alan Pike joins us from Think Progress with more news of the day. Stay tuned. This we'll be right back. This is The Bill Press Show. Hey, friends, don't be a stranger. Keep up to date with all of the Bill Press Show happenings around the clock on social media. Here's how. You can follow us on Twitter at BP Show or on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash Bill Press Show and on YouTube, youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. And remember, if you haven't already done so, make sure to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes. And while you're there, please rate and review the show. That means a lot to us. And thanks so much for your support. Giving you everything you need to fight the Trump administration. This is The Bill Press Show, live at youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. Merry Christmas. Yep, thanks to Donald Trump, we could all say Merry Christmas again. Isn't that great? Aren't you glad you voted for him? <laughs> Hello, everybody. The new Bill O'Reilly, Donald Trump. It is Wednesday, August 1. So good to see you today. Thank you for joining us. The Bill Press Show, live from uh, Washington, D.C., capital of the free world, and our studio on Capitol Hill is where we come to you and join you all across this great land of ours with the news of the day, such as it is. The House is out for their August recess. The Senate's still here for a couple of more days, then they'll be heading out of town, too. But we've got it covered, what's happening on Capitol Hill at the, in, uh, at the White House, around the country, and around the globe. We'll walk you through it. With the help this hour, uh, here as a friend of Bill from uh, Think Progress, Alan Pike. Hello, Alan. Good to see you, you as too, always. Bill. Good morning. Yeah. It's not World Cup time, so you it's don't. It's not. Have... I have no. I have nothing to troll you with. No. I have to say. I have to say. <laughs> no we... soccer gear. No uh, today. <laughs> <laughs> we just changed the TV back because we last time, <laughs> last time you were here, we had changed over to watch World Cup stuff. Yes, that's and right. And we got rid of Fox News, and we just recently changed the TV back. So to what Fox did that? News. What were you getting on Fox Sports in in late July? Just like logging competitions? Lots of Shannon Sharp. Yeah. Okay. okay. <laughs> Lots of Shannon Sharp. That poor man. <laughs> I mean, that very rich man. Very but, rich, poor yeah, man. Yes. Yeah. Okay. All right. So we'll take you through the news of the day with the help of Alan Pike and your help as well. Send us your comments on Twitter at uh, BP Show. Lots going on. We'll tell you all about it. But first, this is the Full Court Press. Yes, indeed. Just a couple of other stories making news. It's summertime, Bill. You know what's great in the summer? A nice key lime pie. You like key lime pie? I love key lime pie. Yeah, what's better than a key lime pie? I have it in a long time. It's delicious. The crust is the hard part, right? The crust is the hard part. Yeah, right. The crust is the hard part. It's just a lime juice. Yeah, exactly. Well, here's the thing. There is a scandal brewing in Key West, Florida, because... There's a pastry shop by the name of... That's the home of Key Lime Pie. Oh, that's what you thought, buddy. Stella Parks is a pastry chef who wrote a new book called Brave Tart, Iconic American Desserts, and she says that the Key Lime Pie was, in fact, not 
created in Key West, Florida. But it was created by the Borden Milk Company back in 1931 to market their sweetened condensed milk. This is what you use. That is what you use. And this is not uncommon. A lot of places used to do this, right? Like there's a reason that like the Moscow Mule became so popular because they wanted to sort of market vodka again after the Red Scare. And so they created this very drinkable drink. Yeah, I could see that. Well, Key Westers are very upset. People that live in Key West are very, very upset. They say they have proof that the Key Lime (laughs) Pie was a staple in the Florida Keys before 1931. In fact, Uh, they have newspaper articles that go back to 1926 showing recipes for key lime pie. Who really created key lime pie? Who knows? But have yourself a slice. It's delicious. But, you know, you could see that it existed. Borden comes up, and this is something, right, that fits that or can help it out. Sure. So then Borden takes credit for it. Sure. Plus, plus they were saddled with that bad rep of, uh, you know, that lady who killed her mom with an axe. <laughs> That's for, right, the Lizzie Borden milk Lizzie company. Borden. We all know. Uh, by the way, my... And knew she started a milk company. That's good, good for her. <laughs> that's how it that's goes. A, that's just that's, rehabilitation. That's common known. It's a well-known fact. Took an axe, gave her mother forty wax. That's it. That's it. And well, when she was done, she gave her mother forty-one. <laughs> yeah, I forget the, the whole thing, but that's and, my, then made, and then made pies apparently. And then made key lime pie. <laughs> my disdain for the royal family has been well documented, Bill. Here's a story that just doesn't really help their look. So, a royal historian by the name of Marlene Eilers Koenig put out a new book, or a new story, I should say, uh, about the. Uh, royal children, Prince George and Princess Charlotte, they have been given an yeah. education on how to be British uh, royalty. They have been told that they need to bow and curtsy to the Queen every time that they see her by age five. By age five, if they if they get to age five and they're not doing it, they're in trouble. <laughs> that's that's the royal family in a nutshell, I think. I assume that's not the only uh, like like checkbox objective for these children by age five. Right? Probably like, like not. Like we're hoping for like reading <laughs> yeah. and maybe a I, little bit of hope, coordination yeah. with. Uh, but let me tell you, I've been watching The Crown. It's really good. Follow us on Twitter at BP Show. This is the Bill Press Show. Yeah, if you go gr- shopping for groceries today, don't leave your wallet at home. Uh-uh. Don't leave your driver's license at home. In Donald Trump's world, you won't be able to buy groceries without a picture ID. Yeah. <laughs> what planet does he live on? Hello, folks. Here you go on a Wednesday, August 1. Hello, hello. Great to see you today. And thanks for being part of the program. The Bill Press Show, booming out to you live coast to coast online, on the radio, the great WCPT out in Chicago, and on Free Speech TV here in studio with us from uh, Think Progress, uh, Alan Pike here as a friend of Bill for the entire hour. Uh, Alan, it's always good to see you. Thank you, too. you for you Thank too. you for coming Pleasure in. Are you having a good summer? So far, busy. Busier than usual. I feel really? Like. Yeah, well, we're not going to get an August recess, as I understand it, on Capitol Hill. We're not going to. Nobody's, you know, nobody's I, getting well, there. Well, first of all, the House is time. out. They're not coming back. Okay. Right? Okay. The Senate yeah. is here like this week, and then they're going to go. In theory, they go away. Okay. But then Mitch McConnell says they're coming back later in the month. I don't okay. think they will. Okay. So it's an empty threat. We do get uh, vacations. I, yeah. Okay. I, I think. I think we will. Just in time for campaign season to really kick off. There you go. Just by Labor, Labor Day parades. Labor Day will be here before you know it. Nazis who are running on the Republican ticket line in Illinois, yeah. marching in small town <laughs> floats. I hate Illinois Nazis. Yeah. 
Uh, speaking of Nazis, you've been writing about ICE. Oh, <laughs> that was a that was a horrible transition. But sometimes they act like it, right? They what's they are the, not shy. What's the latest? It. Yeah, uh, yeah. So yesterday we got some video uh, out of Minnesota, the the Twin Cities area, Ramsey County, Minnesota. Uh, a guy named Carlos who's been living in this country for twenty five years uh, and has this is a complicated story. Is a, a an example of the kind of um, uh, undocumented immigrants tale that has been used, I think, for years and years and years to drum up uh, xenophobia and to smear immigrants as criminals uh, sort of across the board, even though we know that uh, from from the actual numbers, people who uh, emigrate to this country are, in fact, much less prone to committing crimes. Um, Carlos uh, was in court on uh, the 26th of this month to appear before a judge uh, to formalize a an agreement that was going to uh, put him on probation for several years, um, and as long as he fulfilled the terms of his probation, kept his nose clean, uh, his charges were going to be Why was he dropped down. He'd uh, had a couple of beers and gotten behind the wheel of his car and uh, struck someone, struck a pedestrian, um, who was, I understand, seriously injured. Uh, that person's not in the country anymore. Uh, I wasn't able to contact them and get their side of this, but um, my, he he uh, he blew under the legal limit. He wasn't yeah. Um, over oh. the .08 uh, limit in Minnesota, but he had struck someone with his car and, and told officers um, that he had had uh, a, a two yeah. beers before before driving to go okay. pick up so some food. So he's in court for that. He's Get- in court for that. Right. Um, and the criminal court judge has said, has taken a look at this guy's case and, and what he's done to try to make restitution and rehabilitate himself and, and how seriously he's taken what he's done and decides this guy is a candidate for um, this sort of conditional leniency that, that uh, probation represents. Uh, an immigration court judge had also taken a look at his record uh, and, and talked to him and talked to his lawyer and talked to uh, people in his community who know him well and decided, no, we're not going to deport this guy. I'm going to cancel your removal order. Um, which put him back in line to seek a green card. Again, mm-hmm. he's lived mm-hmm. in, in uh, the U.S. for a quarter century at this point. And as he's walking out of court uh, with some family members and some friends from his church, these two guys, uh, one in like a sort of peach-colored uh, button-up short sleeve, other in a, a black pullover sweater, burly guys uh, uh, just walk up to him and say, let's go, Carlos. And everybody says, who are you guys? Um, and pretty quickly, what breaks out is a, a, a pretty ugly confrontation in the hallway. Uh, these two guys are uh, arresting Carlos uh, and telling everybody to back up and let them take him. We have to take him. Um, they haven't, at this point, they haven't shown any badges or any ID. Um, they've said, uh, they, eventually they say, we're, we're from ICE, uh, we're effecting an arrest, you have to let us do this. Um, they, they threaten to charge his family members with assaulting a federal officer because they are as you would be if somebody was you'd never yeah. seen before was trying to handcuff your uh, your your friend and take them away. We're trying to hang. What are you doing? Who are you? What's going on? Um, don't it's, they? It's have, an ugly two minutes of video. Don't they have to have a a warrant or a, uh, an order from a judge to do that? Or something? yeah, yeah. They need they need to have him uh, on a removal order, which they did. Um, they are not obligated to show that order to anyone while they effect the arrest. Um, but as you can imagine, the so what sort are of best grounds, practice what are their is to, grounds for deporting him? Uh, the I mean, he did, he the immigration judges, but so the, did 12 million right. people. Why single? Right. Him? In, and this is and this is in the late 1990s. He's been living in this community for, yeah, for right. 25 years. Um, the the immigration judge uh, had ruled that he should be allowed to stay and that he should be allowed to seek a green card. Um, the Department of Justice uh, appealed that ruling to what's called the Board of Immigration Appeals. 
um, thing that is easy to lose track of when these stories. Immigration judges are not actually an independent judiciary. They're not judges as you think of them in, in that they're part of a separate branch of government and they get to make their own decisions. They're actually entirely beholden to the attorney general. They are employees of the Department of Justice directly. Uh, so Sessions uh, staff, Jeff Sessions staff, appeals the ruling to the BIA. Um, just a couple months ago, Jeff Sessions expanded the BIA membership by, I think, uh, four or five seats. Um, which allowed him to, in his view, rebalance the ide ideological makeup of, of the board. Um, in the view of a lot of other people, it was uh, effectively an act of court packing. Um, a three-judge panel from the BIA takes a look at this case purely on paper, hasn't had any experience of talking with Carlos, hasn't talked to his lawyer, is just looking at the on-paper materials in the case and decides, nope, he's got to go. Uh, and they overturn the immigration mm -hmm. court. Uh, and at that point, ICE is able to order his removal. Right. Uh, Carlos knew that that had happened. His immigration case had been uh, mm -hmm. ruled on, and then the appeal had, had happened um, before he went into court that day. And, and as I understand it, as people in, in his community told me yesterday, um, he, he was urged by family members, by friends, hey, don't go to court. They're going to, like... They've been going to courthouses. They've been grabbing people up at courthouses. Um, you, this, this is dangerous. This is risky. Um, and he was determined to uh, go and, and f continue to face the music as he had been for a couple of years now. I assume he has a family? He does. Uh, he has a wife and uh, three children, uh, all of whom are currently in hiding because they fear reprisals from ICE, which is why we didn't use his last name or, or uh, tried to, not to give too many details of his sort of who, what, when, where, why beyond what was necessary to tell his story. So when people talk about um, abolishing ICE, right? Yeah. This is what they're talking about. I mean, they're not talking about that you can't have an immigration right. uh, enforcement authority. They're talking yeah, about- Yeah, they're talking about how, not not whether or not to do and, it, I and think. And the practices I, I, that they're now engaged in, right. which are really inhumane, cruel, and heartless, I, I, you and know, unnecessary. I, I don't know how I mean, many videos I watched in the last year of ICE agents going up to people in front of their families. Yeah. Yeah, throwing them in the back of a car or here. forcing them to say goodbye to their Wait, families as they in, send them away. And here in a courthouse, yeah, in churches, yeah, in yes, places of business, you know, in factory line. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. right, yeah. And and I think uh, the thing about these these stories of people who've gotten in some kind of trouble with the law, especially you know, Carlos hurt somebody, and and he acknowledges that and and tried to own that and and uh, took part in a. A rehab program uh, during the almost six months that he spent in a county jail afterward um, and in another outpatient one after his release and was taking steps to try and uh, in all the ways that he could to 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 make right what he had done wrong and I this immediately after we published the story we got this sort of predictable reaction mix of reactions which is a lot of people being really upset by what they see in the video and then a certain number of people saying drove drunk hit somebody with his car Bing, bang, boom. That's that's it. Get him out of here. Um, and and I understand that impulse, I suppose, on a certain level. But I think it it um, it makes conditional the the humanity that you'd want to see extended to to somebody in your family. You know, I, I think that people well, have plus, an easier time contemplating the idea of forgiveness when plus not uh, you know condoning it or excusing it. But it's not like robbing a bank. Um, mm -hmm. It's not like um, mm -hmm. you know holding up a Seven Eleven at gunpoint, right. right? Or it's not like 
killing right. some. Like, right. Some, I mean, there and, are and and you get that reaction to those things. Violent crime. Right. 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 And and those shades of those gradations start to blur out in people's minds in part because there's been this concerted effort for years and years and years. Um, sort of <laughs> epitomized in Donald Trump's campaign and his rhetoric about uh, people of color in general, in particular uh, people of uh, Latino heritage, Latino heritage, um, who've come into this country for whatever reason, that that strips away their humanity. And we, there's a, been a concerted, uh, years-long effort, quite effectively, to dehumanize people like Carlos. And, and then it's much easier for folks to... Uh, to cast rapid and, and absolutist judgments about yeah. stories like this. Uh, and, of course, every time you turn around, uh, you know, uh, the President Trump is saying, you know, defending ICE, defending actions like, by, by his total, you know, green light, no condition, no conditions, yeah. defense of ICE and everything they do and the way they do it. He's, he's right. endorsing. right. Right. Like and, 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 he and says, he's basically saying they do nothing wrong. Yeah. And and constantly portraying um, their their actions as uh, targeted at the worst of the worst criminals. At MS-13. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Smearing an entire uh, block of, as you say, millions and millions of people um, using these extreme uh, examples that are that are, in fact, quite rare in the overall population that we're talking about. But it's quite effective. We've, we've been able to see that. There are a lot of people who want to come up with a reason to not feel anything remotely resembling empathy toward uh, toward anyone who came into the country, um, quote unquote, the wrong way. Right. Alan Pike with us from uh, Think Progress, thinkprogress.com. I thought it was .org. It is. It's .org. Yeah, it's not I don't know. I don't know what you get to with .com. Uh, I, I don't. don't I actually, don't I don't want to know. It's thinkprogress.org. Thank you. Um, <laughs> You know, there's so it's another story we haven't gotten to yet today that I find just absolutely mind-boggling. And I'm talking about, uh, so Donald Trump actually tweeted yesterday morning, surprised me, he has this thing. Uh, he said, I don't know about these 3D guns. Doesn't sound like a good idea. You know, I'm going yeah. to talk to the NRA about it. So there was this guy, Cody Wilson, is the guy's name, okay. right? He's got this, yeah, the came guy up with this idea that we can put the, plans. the yeah. blueprints. Yeah. For how to make any gun, any gun, yeah, using a 3D printer, and the federal government had sued to block this, and then last week they or last month they changed their mind, and yeah, they let them go forward. So now the blueprints were actually up, and about 2,500 people have downloaded these yeah. blueprints, until a judge yesterday uh, in Seattle said we can't do this anymore. Yeah, there. First of all, this is I I, I can't get my arms around this right. The idea that you could print these blueprints yeah. out and then make these guns out of plastic. Yeah. The stuff you can do with 3D printers is pretty wild. I mean, I, we were we were promised jetpacks and flying cars, and instead we got these weird machines that can make anything <laughs> from nothing. It's it's wild. And, and the I, fact I just, that you can make yeah. weapons of death with them in, is, is well, I, I saw some conservative staggering. Republicans say yesterday, this is... A ticket for gang members. This is a ticket for terrorists. It's a ticket for anybody with any evil intent. Yeah. Right? And the thing is, to the thing make that, your own gun that nobody can trace because it has right. no serial numbers, no nothing. And that's and that's true. And that's all well and good. And and I keep coming back every it's time well I've good. heard about this stuff. It's horrible. Uh, as an argument. As an argument, I, it's I, all well yeah. and good. But I, I think that it misses the point that people who advocate for um, improved gun control regulations in general have been making for for decades at this point, which is all that's basically true of 
you know, steel handguns that you can buy yes, out of yes. a suitcase in a motel room in, you know, in suburban Springfield, Illinois or whatever. I, the, the, the idea that as long as we keep, as long as we only um, uh, favor, uh, offer regulatory favor to guns manufactured in factories and sold for a profit by the companies that fund the NRA as their trade organization, that, that it's all well and good. We, we can't right. track those either. They won't let... Yeah. The the organization that's um, purpose built to do federal level tracking of individual firearms, they won't let those people put anything into digital format. They've got this warehouse out in Virginia that's or West Virginia right. that's full and overflowing with boxes and boxes and boxes of paper. And when somebody wants to go find an individual gun, it's literally a matter of flipping through uh, mm. a file folder. Yeah. In um, a lot of cases, wow. the 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 I'm I'm glad I'm glad that people are distressed by something as obviously terrifying as anybody can make a gun at home and do it do anything well, they want. But, with are, it. but how distressed? Apply that logic backwards. I mean, how distressed are they? For example, we know that right. after Las Vegas, we still have not banned bump stocks, right? Mm -hmm. So you would think it would be easy. You 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 would right. think you could get an overwhelming, not unanimous, but an overwhelming. Republican and Democratic majorities in the House and the Senate, like today, right. bring the freaking House back right. today or the 1st of September to ban the, right. the publication of these blueprints, right? right. Yeah. I, I bet it won't happen. Uh, no, I, I don't think and it will either. It won't happen. And, and then, if it does, it'll be in part because uh, this uh, is a threat to the market share of gun makers. Uh, by the way, that's a good point, right? But So it's also worth remembering how this happened. It was good enough. And, and Senator Ed Markey from Massachusetts made this point yesterday. Okay. Yeah, it's good enough for, for Donald, Donald Trump didn't say I'm against it. He just said, doesn't sound a like a good idea. Yeah. We're taking a look at it. But Ed Markey pointed out here why we're here. No, Mr. President, it doesn't make any sense. And it doesn't make any sense that your Justice Department and your State Department agreed to make 3D guns available to the public. Yeah, so they had sued, uh, I think under Obama, to stop this. Right. And then the Trump administration totally reversed a month ago, just like a, the undoing every, everything else Obama right. did. exactly. They reversed this and said, no, they can go forward. Now they're stuck with the reality until this judge yesterday put a temporary hold on it because several attorneys general, and the, uh, including the attorney general of D.C., uh, sued right to stop it right so you got one judge but that's temporary too yeah and and the the Obama derangement syndrome stuff is is really um, <laughs> limitless it appears it, that yeah it's 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 I, lovely I, that he realized after the fact he woke up one day and saw a thing on the news and thought wait really you can just make a gun at home that seems bad I wonder who did that and has no has none of the self-awareness to but, realize, oh, right, my entire presidency is built on the promise to tear down literally anything that Barack Obama touched. If, he, I, if, and, if and, I could get my hands on those two dogs and unmake those two dogs, I would. He would. He would. A dog ownership. That's why he yeah. doesn't have a dog, because Obama had one. <laughs> right. Well, and they're very dirty, Bill. He doesn't like He is a germaphobe, things. except when it comes to prostitutes and hotel rooms <laughs> in uh, Moscow. But <laughs> so... Don't uh, don't malign don't malign the oldest profession in Russia. No kink I'm shaming. I'm sure I'm sure they're very clean. No kink oh, shaming. Old, <laughs> oldest profession in the in the world. Uh, and but the idea too with this tweet that Donald Trump would say, I want to talk to the NRA about this. Uh, is it not even something as outrageous as this? Right. Could he oppose 
without getting the blessing yeah. of the NRA. Yeah, they're a permission gate for anything you want to do that involves the word gun. Right. Including, I think if you want to, if you want to buy tickets to see that band Churches play because they've got a song called Gun, I think yeah. you actually have to ask your local NRA chapter if it's okay for you, you to go. You see have churches. to have an ID, yeah. just to make sure. Well, not even that. I guess that would be too too, too restrictive. Well, we'll see. If, well, right, uh, they're not groceries; they're just right, gun printers. Right. <laughs> Peter, it's it's not that big a deal. <laughs> you know, you probably you need an ID, photo ID, to buy groceries. You probably don't need one to buy a gun. Right. No, yeah, a lot of places probably not. Yeah. Did you guys already do? Did you guys already do all you want to do on this groceries ID thing? Because all we want to do, cow. go for it. Yeah. How <laughs> well, long? Let's get how into long? It. For first of all, the question is, how long do you think it's been since Donald Trump was in a grocery store? Right. Yeah. I. Uh, do you think he's ever? He's bought his how, own how old is he? Seventy one. Um, so I'm going to say seventy two and a half years. <laughs> <laughs> I, somebody, somebody, somebody needs to. I, I know. I know that yeah, I, I don't envy right. the the members of the White House press corps, and I think it must be really difficult to a really difficult job to do. Um, and and every single day, every opportunity you get, there's probably 55 different things you want to ask him about. But I would love it if just one of them just once while he's live on camera and can't just walk away from it would just ask him the classic, hey, what's a gallon of milk cost? Oh, yeah, right. And because, you know, I I think that he's managed to um, circumvent the old um, circuits of, of, of our politics whereby people who were clearly out of touch because of their wealth and, and who had taken steps to insulate themselves from real life for years and years and years would eventually get punished by voters for that. Um, people would eventually wake up to the fact that um, George Bush had a cute accent, but he was actually an incredibly spoiled rich kid who had to work a day in his life, which is why he spent so much time on his ranch. It's kind uh, of an unfair question because I don't know what a gallon of milk costs, but I do buy my own groceries. But <laughs> well, you know, it's the a, problem is I just put it in the. I think I just put it in the. I think I would basket. guess like three bucks. I, I've done I've done a lousy job of sticking with uh, with milk in adulthood. I tell you that I bought a gallon. <laughs> I bought a gallon of milk yesterday. It was about two dollars. Two dollars. See, yeah, okay, it was about two dollars. A gallon. I'm I'm an out of touch rich guy apparently. Yeah, yeah. About $2. but 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 whether you know what you know a pound of peaches cost or whatever. You do know, right? We do know that when you go to a gas station, or you go to the drugstore, right. or you go to Trader Joe's, or Safeway, or yeah. Kroger's, or whatever. Kroger's the number one grocery chain in America. I saw this morning. Oh, really? I, I didn't know that. No kidding. Yeah, you uh, guys picked up a new sponsor. <laughs> yeah, the train, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> I saw that also. More than a hundred and five billion dollars in sales Holy last crap. year. Anyhow, but if you go there, I know enough. You don't need a picture right. ID. But here's Donald Trump last night in Tampa. You know, if you go out and you want to buy groceries, you need a picture on a card. You need ID. You go out and you want to buy anything, you need ID and you need your picture. Yeah, you need your picture, right? Like the- that's the like that to me was that he actually thinks you need a picture. He clarifies it because like you do. I mean, you could. If you were picking this apart, yeah, you do need some kind of ID, right? Well, like what? even if you to buy groceries, no, 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 no. no. Well, but, but, no but, my, my point is, my point is, like you can't just go in like you have a credit card or you have Apple Pay or whatever. There's something that ties it back to you. But he no, actually says, no, no. 
The, you they make they cash, make money Peter. out of paper. Oh no, you, this is a cashless society. You I don't know if you. I, I, know, <laughs> no, you I know you do. I'm just no, saying. I'm, 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 I'm on I'm Bill's just, side. Let here. me finish this. Team I'm just funny, saying. Daddy. He actually takes the extra step to say you have to have a picture of yourself. Or no, like obviously on an yeah, ID, right. which is different. I mean, there right. are like that's he goes that extra step. I just want to make the point. You also can pay cash. You can pay cash. This is yes. this is one of my this is one of the ways in which I am old before my time is that I I really hate paying for things other than with cash and fair. I do it every that's day because you have to. But anyway, no, that's fair. This isn't about me. Uh, the <laughs> the the thing that struck me about that line, and I know it's not the point that he was trying to make. I, I think it's always hard to tell. Um, there's actually a, a really long lineage of uh, people in Trump's ideological cohort of of conservative people, conservative political actors, wanting to. Uh, to police the way that poor people in particular uh, buy food, that that there's been a push for years and years and years to uh, there's a, an obsession with the idea that the food stamp system, meager as it is, uh, is still too generous and is being abused. And that and that what we should do is uh, both restrict what can be bought with um, with snap cards, with with food stamps yeah. and um in some cases, even uh, there have been similar to the voter ID push, which I think is what he was trying to talk about. Uh, there's been a push to to have to have a photo I, a, a picture ID stamped onto your EBT card that you get for your for your SNAP benefits, um, which is part of this uh, obsession in the in the both the richest country in the world and the one one of the ones with the widest disparity between the haves and the have nots um, with the idea but, that too many of these poor people are getting away with something somehow. Yeah. But, you know, the other thing is. It, 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 I find it hard to believe this idiot crowd. He'll say something like that, right? How many people were there last night, Peter? I don't know, ten thousand or whatever. I mean, he'll say, you know, you need a, you need your photo ID when you buy groceries. Everybody there knows that's not true. And what do they do? They cheer, right? The only time you don't need it in many cases is when you want to vote for a president, when you want to vote yeah. for a senator, when you want to vote for a governor or a congressman. Listen to it's him. crazy. Yeah. It's it's sort of like being at a, a TV taping, right? That you know the rhythm of the thing. Yeah. It doesn't you're not really yeah. altogether <laughs> listening to what the joke was. And at some point that applause sign starts flashing in your brain and you go, "Oh, right, this is the part. I like this guy and I want to do what he needs for me and what he needs for me is to do the crowd patter the right way." So this is the part where I'm supposed to boo, or this is the part where I'm supposed to cheer, this is the part where I'm supposed to laugh. And, hey, I guess there's a lot of people willing to uh, hand over the keys to their brain in that well, way. Well, while we're talking about um, the uh, uh, the photo ID for buying groceries, we have to talk about it. Might as well play the other outrageous uh, claim that he made last night, which is, you can thank me, thank me that you don't hear Happy Holidays anymore. Remember the attack on Merry Christmas? They're not attacking it anymore. Everyone's happy to say Merry Christmas, right? Merry Christmas. Yeah, I thought we had Bill O'Reilly to thank for that. No, it was Donald Trump. The Donald the attack on Merry Christmas is what precipitated the Bowling Green massacre, right? <laughs> that was a little throwback. But it's, oh, it's hard. Wow. It's hard oh, to remember the stupid, yeah, the stupid yeah, stuff yeah, that people yeah, have been saying. That's it's, right. Somehow it's oh, only been was, a year and a half, but yeah, it feels uh, like uh, ten years of this. Oh, <laughs> uh, it all just ties together. It's it's crazy. It's a crazy time. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, and uh, by the way, and to talk about, aren't you glad you can say Merry Christmas now on July thirty first? <laughs> right. 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 It's probably what everybody there was thinking about. Well, he knows he knows he's got like 
a whole like six weeks or eight weeks until the next time that there's a holiday that will allow him to trot out uh, men and women in uniform and stand next to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and listen, we don't even get preseason football for like another week. He's not gonna. He, he needs something to tide him over until the next time he can start screaming at black people for standing up for their well, civil the rights next, on a football field. Uh, uh, th- yeah. That's right. But yeah. But the next event where we'll be able to praise the men and women in uniform is a military parade. You know, whenever oh, that's planned. God. Do we have a date for that yet? I don't know. I don't think we do. Aren't they waiting to hear? When Putin's a- available to come to DC <laughs> for a visit, <laughs> and, and Kim Jong Un, right? Yeah, one on one side of him, one on the other side of him too. All right. Uh, oh man, we are off and running here on this uh, Wednesday, August one. We'll take a quick break. Alan Pike stays with us as a friend of Bill, joined by Andrew Prokop from Vox. Coming up next, uh, covers the White House for Vox. Uh, lots to talk about there. Stay tuned. Uh, we'll be right back. This is the Bill Press Show. All right. Uh, can you believe it? It's already the 1st of August, uh, Wednesday, August 1 here, the Bill Press Show. Wrapping up on uh, this busy news day uh, with um, Alan Pike here from uh, Think Progress as our friend of Bill for this entire hour, joining all of you friends of Bill from all across the country. We're joined now by Andrew Prokop, who covers the White House senior political reporter for Vox here in the studio with us. Andrew, good to see you. Good to see you. Uh, we want to check in first on uh, Virginia's 5th, uh, Peter. Any late news? Uh, Peter is in <laughs> Peter's in charge of the uh, Bigfoot erotica department. Well, you know, uh, I, as I mentioned before, I have, for a long time, had cryptozoological porn uh, set up as a uh, Google News alert. Uh, I haven't got anything <laughs> A man of his times. Yeah, I haven't gotten anything new. Although Denver Riggleman, the man who I think we can call a Bigfoot erotica enthusiast. Uh, He admits it. Yeah. He's uh, the Republican candidate for Congress in Virginia. I I think he said that his interest was mainly platonic in Bigfoot. Yeah. yeah, He's sort of of saying. Good to know. He's sort of saying he's just an all-around Bigfoot enthusiast, not necessarily about the erotica. Uh, he linked his last tweet. He actually linked to a where else Breitbart piece mm. uh, that sort of says that the the uh, woman Leslie Coburn who who accused him of being such a fan of Bigfoot erotica uh, made it up and and exaggerated the truth, which is that he is just an overall Bigfoot enthusiast. Right, and you oh. got to consult all available primary sources up to and including right, right. Uh, Fifty Shades of Yeti. <laughs> oh. <laughs> well, oh, hang on now. I want to be very, very clear. The you Yeti, know where you'll find the truth. The Yeti is an aggressive snow monster. That's Bigfoot right. is really just a very giving and generous lover. That's the difference. That's what he okay. says. That's the, we have to be very clear about that. The okay. Yeti is actually I, I, dangerous. I, I, Bigfoot just wants to come. Bigfoot, if you're out there, I, I'm, I'm very sorry. Thank you. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so stay tuned to the Bill Press Show for the latest on the Bigfoot uh, yes. uh, erotica. Uh, slightly changing topics here, uh, Andrew. This Paul Manafort trial started yesterday and got off to a pretty fast start, right? I mean, they got the jury... And opening statements all in one day. Yeah, they they call this um, this Eastern District of Virginia the rocket docket, and you know, it's, <laughs> it's, like it's a surprise yeah. to me. To I didn't expect them to get all the way through to up to the first witness testimony yesterday, but uh, they did. They went through their opening statements. Which so, in were a nutshell, what are, what are the two sides saying? Mueller says. So the narrative from the Mueller team is pretty simple. It's Manafort 
is a liar who believed he was above the law, didn't think he had to pay taxes, thought he could constantly lie to banks and, uh, you know, <laughs> teach, and teach this guy that he's not above the law. So he the got, what, $60 million he made in, uh, re- in um, representing these, working for these Ukrainian politicians, right? Yeah, he, he made— way, That's a lot of money to make. Yeah, it's uh, that's about two or three seasons of of pro baseball, I think, at a pretty high level. <laughs> well, just that's nice Kavanaugh. Yeah, he knows about that. And that that, but well, they didn't report all of that money and didn't pay taxes on all that money. Instead, he used it to finance his extravagant lifestyle. Yeah, well, so apparently, about thirty million of that money, allegedly, he, you know, he had it parked in these offshore foreign accounts, and then he used it directly to buy expensive things or or real estate in the u.s and uh so that included it was revealed for the first time a fifteen thousand dollar coat made from an ostrich uh so uh people think that's a a coat from gucci but like that that's that's one detail of of where manafort was ostrich coats are expensive yeah Yeah. i only Uh, have one (laughs) uh and a watch twenty eight thousand dollar watch or something like that Mm -hmm. i saw i mean pretty and he has sweet at Trump Tower, right? Oh yeah, and uh, and I, then there's another twenty million dollars or so that he allegedly got um, by misstating his company's income and doctoring various forms uh, on um, loan applications for U.S. banks. So that's what Mueller says he did after the Ukrainian regime he was working for was deposed. He needed money. He didn't want to pay taxes on the money, so he embarked on this alleged massive bank fraud scheme. And Manafort's attorney says? So we've been waiting for a while to see what, um, how Manafort is, is possibly going to argue against these charges, which are largely well-documented on paper. They're about taxes that he clearly didn't pay, even though he was spending all this money on himself. Uh, they are about, um, you know, these false statements he he submitted to banks for loans. And so the defense, it seems, is that he's just going to blame Rick Gates, uh, his former partner uh, in the Ukrainian work and also on the Trump campaign, who was charged alongside him, but flipped and became a cooperating witness. So it looks like Manafort's attorneys are going to hinge their whole case on both attacking Rick Gates as as a liar, saying he was responsible for all of the he made Manafort crimes. do it. Yeah, he he tricked him. They're saying he embezzled money from Manafort. Uh, we're still waiting for more details on that. But like, you know, Rick Gates was was such a crook that he caused a a sort of um, a, a cascade of crookery in Manafort's finances, and the poor guy just didn't have a handle on things. And you know, they're really exaggerating. I think Gates's significance to the case, like Manafort was charged before Gates flipped. These crimes are largely, it seems, documented on paper. But you know, that's that's what they got basically. They if they can convince a couple people on the jury that Gates is, uh, you know, that there's something rotten about this whole Gates thing, then maybe he'll end up with a hung jury. Does that does that effectively mean that they are uh, that they're that they're pleading stupidity on on <laughs> Manafort's part? Like basically, like no, 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 I'm not a crook. I'm just really, really dumb about managing Gullible. complex finances of this yeah. elaborate uh, international uh, lobbying business that I set up and ran for years. Well, it, it, he also had another argument, which is that um, 
his complex web of offshore financial accounts, um, he, he only had them and took his Ukrainian payments that way because the oligarchs wanted him to. So like, it doesn't really seem like that's a good defense for <laughs> violating tax law. The oligarchs <laughs> told me to, but apparently uh, that's, that's, that's what he's All going right, I guess for. the key question is what does this have to do, if anything, with collusion and um, obstruction of justice and Donald Trump? You know, on the surface, nothing at all. Trump's name is going to come up uh, at the trial in a very limited fashion related to a particular bank fraud charge uh, because Manafort uh, allegedly promised the head of a bank a, uh, a job with the Trump administration, which he didn't get. But apart from that, uh, there's going to be no mention of Trump, um, no, no mention of Russian interference with the 2016 election. These charges just aren't about that. The The consequence is just mainly what happens to Manafort. Does he get convicted? Um, but in reality, I mean, it's hard to separate the two. Wouldn't you agree? Well, I, 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 I mean, he in was the, trial the of, campaign chairman of Donald Trump. And, and it's... Uh, Regardless of the, um, the the narrowness of the scope of, of this as a criminal matter, I think it's, it speaks to um, a, a base reality that um, when you're a grifter or when you're alleged to be a grifter, uh, you use whatever resources are at your disposal. Um, the ability to convincingly promise positions of power and status in uh, government to one of your marks is much like a $28,000 watch or a $15,000 ostrich jacket. Uh, one of the assets at your disposal, you're gonna leverage it where you can. I think it's it's it it, it, it in no way is going to you know produce any sort of smoking gun or crack things wide open for the the hashtag resistance folks on Twitter who are trying to figure out a way other yeah. than just winning some elections to get this set of people out of office. But uh, it it is it is um, uh, of a piece with the the character and the tone of how Trump's career has been built and this sort of well, so aggressive Andrew, use of, of, of power. Andrew, the way things are going, it looks like, I mean, this trial may wrap up pretty quickly then too, right? It's off to such a roaring start in the rocket docket, as you call it. Yeah, right? Mueller, yeah. Mueller's team <laughs> estimated that it would last about three weeks. They've got around 30 uh, witnesses to call. Manafort has other witnesses. So, um, but you know, they, they rapid fire went through the questioning of the first witness, uh, Tad Devine, um, Bernie Sanders' advisor. Oh, was he up? Was he the yeah, first he, witness? He went yeah. up uh, yesterday well, afternoon because yeah. uh, he had worked with, uh, Manafort. with Manafort in Ukraine, and he answered a set of questions about that. Um, but, you know, apparently it happened very quickly. They they This judge likes to move quickly, and, and they're trying to get through things as quickly as they can. But um, okay. could, it, it will probably be a couple more weeks. And then is there a date yet for his Manafort's second trial? That's uh, currently scheduled for September 17th. Uh, the judge said yesterday Man. she didn't want to delay it any further. Out of the frying pan into the fire. And they'll have, to, they'll have to finish this one before they can go into jury selection for the other, right? They can't They can't. Probably. Um, I, yeah. You know, it's, it's a little unfair to have him in right. two places at once, but, I guess. But, but. So September 17th, that means this, this trial. And the federal trial here in... Or, or, uh, DC. What's the difference between the two? What are the different charges? And is one civil, one criminal? 
Uh, no, the way I think about it is that the Virginia trial is mainly about Manafort's money. Uh, okay. For jurisdictional reasons, he had to be charged where he lived for the um, for the tax charges against him, and he yeah. lives in Virginia. The D.C. charges, which actually some of them came By the way, first. Friend, we have friends who are his neighbors in a condo project on the right on the river in Alexandria. They haven't seen him for a while. <laughs> Hasn't been in the neighborhood for a while. It's interesting. Yeah, he, he's he's had a new place to stay for the past. Uh, yeah, years, but and he's yeah. going to be staying there longer than he wants to be, right? Uh, yeah, but the um, so the DC trial is charges. Are, the DC are, trial is. Um, I view it as more related to the actual lobbying work he did in Ukraine. This is where the not but, registering under the Foreign Agents Registration Act charges. This is where conspiracy to defraud the United States is. Like, these charges are related but, to... Okay. But this still is not related to Russia yep, yep, meddling, yep. collusion, or obstruction of justice, right? Uh, well, Manafort was charged with obstruction of justice for this apparent um, witness but, tampering that I he mean tried Donald to do. Trump's obstruction. The big, the big ticket obstruction of justice, no. Okay. Now, I do think that you know, Mueller is has has parked a lot of his resources on Manafort, and he is doing that for a reason. I think, like we just saw last night, it was reported that he referred similar inquiries about Tony Podesta uh, out mm-hmm. to the U.S. Attorney's Office in the Southern District of New York. But you know, it, it seems to me that Mueller Mueller has already confirmed he's investigating whether Manafort committed crimes related to uh, Russian collusion and interference with 2016. Haven't seen any charges from that. Uh, My supposition is that Mueller thinks that at the very least Manafort has some important information and that that is explaining why he's dug into Manafort so much. But that's just speculation. You know, Rick Gates has already flipped, so perhaps he already has, you know... the theory that I hear propounded now is that Mueller is counting on the fact, uh, Alan, that if, and I think it's not far-fetched, that if Manafort loses the first trial, mm-hmm. he's going to be much more likely to want to cooperate before the second trial. I, I, that, that makes a certain root sense about the basic nature of humanity. I also, <laughs> um, I don't think, I don't think uh, there's a lot of, uh, good reason to expect anyone involved in this orbit to behave to behave <laughs> according to those do. to yeah. those norms. I, I, there's a there's a lot riding on all this for everybody, um, and Trump's a, a notoriously vindictive person, uh, even in just sort of standard business deals. Um, if if you're really True. good at socking money away, and you know that there's something in a mattress somewhere that Mueller hasn't found yet. And your wife and kids will be okay for a while. Maybe, maybe you hold on. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but he, it's all—it's all very normal, normal stuff, right? We're talking about multiple criminal trials of the former <laughs> yeah, campaign yeah. manager of a sitting U.S. president. Yeah. Oh, yeah. As, in in a very no, calm tone of voice, it's nothing, all very normal. Nothing unusual. That's right. Yeah. I th- I think the it's, new normal. Yeah. It's definitely you know well, given the strength, the apparent strength on paper of these charges against Manafort, anything can happen. At trial, weird things can happen with the jury, but it seems like a really strong case. And it's not just one case, it's two cases. So, you know, he's facing, he's a 69 year old man. He's facing potentially decades in prison, uh, probably the rest of his life if he's convicted. And, 
he's not flipping. So the question is really why? And, you know, obviously maybe he just has nothing to flip with. But the other possibility is that, you know, it's already been reported. We know that uh, Trump's former lawyer, John Dowd, reached out to Manafort's lawyer to talk about a potential pardon last year. Uh, So the pardon specter is kind of hanging over all this. Right. Um, There was an interesting... Uh, Mueller's team had a filing where they recorded a conversation and, and quoted from it that Manafort had with somebody while he was in jail. And Manafort said that he wanted the D.C. trial that he was facing to happen before the Virginia trial because if he was, even if he failed, he said, if even in failure there is a strategy because think of how that will play elsewhere. So, you know, he's not explicit, but I read that as him saying, he would rather have had a jury with a lot of non-white people lock him up uh, first and oh. then Whoa. pitch that for uh, to try to get a pardon. Uh, I, I find it tough to see other readings of that statement about yeah. how, how it'll play yeah. elsewhere. That's just a very sophisticated manifestation of racism. It's just a really, it's a galaxy it brain, 11-dimensional chess application of... I mean, of, of principles that fueled this president to an electoral victory. To where he is, And proven right. to be viable. So I want to come back to the main event here, which is um, Robert Mueller investigation. Uh, and Rudy Giuliani <laughs> just has been on a wild tear lately, saying all kinds of crazy things. Um, a couple of them I'm going to ask you about, both about. Um, so the first is, we've gone from, in the beginning they said, what do you mean meet with Russians? Nobody worked for me. Nobody in the Trump campaign ever met with any Russian or any Russian representative. Well, then all kinds of evidence of meetings with Michael Flynn and Jeff Sessions and Jared Kushner came out. So then the next line of defense is, well, the, yes, there were some meetings, but they were innocent meetings and there was no collusion, no collusion, no collusion. Now, Rudy Giuliani seems to have changed the line of defense, which is, even if there was collusion, it's not a crime. Yeah, well, Rudy was on TV for a long time on Monday, and he, and he said a lot of things. I, <laughs> I think um, I think what he was getting at, he I, I did see this snippet where at one point he said, I am making a lawyer's argument, like a type that lawyers make. Uh, I'm trying to defend my client with the best argument possible and saying, you know, it didn't happen, but even if it didn't happen, it wasn't illegal. It's like sort of, uh, I mean, I sort of see it as covering himself, covering Trump, just in case there is more corroboration that emerges of the backdrop for this is, of course, that uh, Michael Cohen is supposedly saying privately that uh, Trump knew about his son Don Jr.'s meeting with the Russian lawyer uh, beforehand. So. That's that's the backdrop for this kind of um, you know even if there was a little collusion it 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 wasn't criminal yeah it's it's the same you see that that kind of multi stage argument in in motions all the time in court it's the classic we argue in the first case that this didn't happen in the second case that even if you re- reject my first argument that you should still take my side because <laughs> if it did happen it's fine um, that it's what's different is that this is a lawyer having to do it on behalf of his client on live cable television for much of the day throughout throughout a Sunday and then into a Monday um, because of who that client is and because not not only because there's interest because he's the president of the United States but also I think the, the on a character level um, Trump's demonstrated amply that 
he just cannot handle leaving uh, accusations or assertions about him unanswered. Yeah. Well, is it a crime? I is think collusion it, a crime? It depends on the specifics. Like, there's no real offense about colluding, you know, something called that. Uh, there is a memo that has been released by Deputy Attorney General Rod Rosenstein to Mueller uh, talking about potential crimes related to collusion with the Russian government to interfere with the election. That could be several things. There, um, conspiracy. This conspiracy charge has been uh, put, yeah. uh, has, has already been used a few times against uh, the Russians that, uh, mm-hmm. that Mueller has charged and, and also against Manafort related to his Ukrainian work. It, it seems to be a, a um, interpretation of the conspiracy charge that relates to kind of fraudulent activity that um you know defrauds okay. in this case it would be the fec uh, right. by going outside the ordinary campaign process then there's you know if money changed hands that's that's another issue um if it involved if this collusion involved um stolen material like the hacked emails that's another potential uh criminal issue but you know it depends what if anything actually happened now rudy also Sort of let the cat out of the bag, and then then quickly tried to cover his tracks or whatever, put the cat back in the bag. When he said uh, he raised the possibility that before the June nine infamous June nine meeting that Donny Donny Jr. sets up at Trump Tower, two days earlier there was another meeting. The principals got together to plan for the June nine meeting. If that's the case. I know it's a big if, but Rudy did say it happened, and he came back and said, no, I misspoke. It didn't happen. But if there were a pre-meeting to the big meeting, that really, that, that's significant, isn't it? I mean, that makes it a lot more serious, a lot, that the June 9 meeting a lot has a lot more meaning. I, I think it, uh, it would, would be agree? really significant if, uh, if this account that Rudy is giving is correct, because uh, he says that Rick Gates was at the meeting, at the pre-meeting. So if anything, if the Trump team's story about what actually happened uh, in June 9th when Don Jr. and the Russian lawyer and their various compatriots met, uh, if that story is still false or misleading in some way, and if Rick Gates was involved in discussions beforehand and has information, he's been cooperating for months. Like, he would have told Mueller this a long time ago, and it wouldn't have to hinge on Michael Cohen's credibility or mm. lack thereof. Right, which would which would help to explain why Giuliani has also been flogging the Cohen horse so hard. You want to direct uh, attention. You, you'd rather that be the venue for this stuff. And and uh, the other, it's it's Giuliani's got a duty to his client, and that's all well and good. Um, Daryl Issa is a, a sitting member of the U.S. House, uh, a prominent figure within the Republican caucus. Um, a guy who's already said he's he's done in politics he's after not this go for re-election, right? Um, so fits fits the profile of uh, the, 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 this mythical Republican figure that that um, older political reporters are always forgive me, sorry, Bill, uh, are always looking for. When's there going to be a Republican who stands up and draws a right a bright line and says, no, 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 okay, 
this is this is a crisis now and i don't care that i i don't care that he's the guy who will sign my tax cuts and my um you know work, are, you, are you saying daryl is that uh, is that man of character daryl ice is not walking through that door is what i'm saying to you oh um, no. he was on he was on fox over i don't know anybody is who is well and that's and that's the thing and I, I there are a lot of people who are still hung up on the idea that at some point there will be a breaking point for the republican party as an institution where they go Oh God! This yeah. has gone gone. This has yeah. gone too far. Plus, Mike Pence will be a perfectly good guy to hold right. the pen too, and they'll try to and they'll try to cut ties with Trump. Um, the latest indication we've gotten that that will never happen. That there is no such stage of this investigation is Daryl Issa saying, "Oh, even if he knew about the meeting, who cares? Businessmen take meetings. <laughs> Candidates seek out dirt. Somebody says they got dirt on your on your opponent. You say, oh, show it to me. No big deal.' Yeah, this is what they do. By the way, when Daryl Issa said that." I thought that said as much about his business background. Yeah. Uh, the car alarm inventor, right? And they're all the kinds alleged of, arsonist car exactly, alarm. Exactly. Exactly. Right. All kinds of questions about that that he was saying. Oh, sure, I did all that. I did the same kind of stuff myself, right? Yep. But this is what businessmen do, and uh, I just feel we scratched the surface. But um, sadly, we are out of time. But hey, guys, thanks so much for coming in. Andrew, it's always good to see you. You can follow Andrew's work at Vox, Vox Fox.com. Keep up with the Manafort trial and all the rest. And our good buddy, Alan. Alan at uh, Think Progress. ThinkProgress.org. That's the one. All right, you got it. Have a great day, folks. We'll see you tomorrow. This is The Bill Press Show.